0: Welcome to the Wisdom School, a private podcast by the Perennial Leader Project. Is there anything easier and more difficult than sitting still? Why does it feel like there's always something to do or somewhere to go? The 17th century philosopher Blaise Pascal insisted that the chief symptom of our unhappiness is simply our inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Today, we often point to social media and technology as the culprit. However, we are wise to remember that distraction is part of the human condition. Hence the reason for contemplative practices across wisdom traditions. Seneca pointed out in On the Shortness of Life that it's not that we have a short time to live, it's that we waste much of it. As humans, we tend to squander our lives, whether through distraction or simply wandering about without a clear direction. In his Ponce's or Thoughts, Pascal observed, we never keep to the present. We recall the past. We anticipate the future as if we found it too slow in coming and were trying to hurry it up. Or we recall the past as if to stay its too rapid flight. Let each of us examine their thoughts they will find them wholly concerned with the past or the future. Therefore, most people never actually live. They only hope to live. And since we are always planning how to be happy, explained Pascal, it is inevitable that we should never be so. Human beings are torn between the desire for happiness And an innate confusion about where to find it. The practice of stillness is synonymous with being where you are, both physically and mentally. But what if I said the practice of stillness makes a life of action possible? To go further, what if stillness could help you become calmer, happier, wiser, and even more productive. That is precisely what the lives of the great contemplatives reveal to us. In The Saint's Guide to Happiness, author Robert Ellsberg explains that the saints accomplished many great works, whether managing schools and hospitals, starting religious orders, or simply conquering their own passions. But the first step is simply learning to be still. The practice of stillness is a skill that must be cultivated. Although finding quiet places in the world has become ever more scarce, it's important to note that it's not enough to escape the world's noise. One must find stillness among their own inner noise. Ellsberg writes, the capacity to sit alone in one's room without going mad implies the cultivation of an inner life. This is surely not the same as an intellectual life, a capacity for learned thoughts. It is more a matter of resting in the core of one's being, what the desert fathers called the heart or the soul. Similarly, an ancient Buddha sutra, on knowing the Better Way to be Alone, describes an encounter between the Buddha and a monk named Thera. The Buddha taught, It is the way of deep observation to see that the past no longer exists, and the future has not yet come, and to dwell at the ease of the present moment, free from desire. What comes to mind when you contemplate sitting quietly in a room alone? It's challenging to slow down and sit right where you are. It can feel like an infinite list of things to do are simply far more important. Although one must remind themselves that taking time to sit and be is not a trivial act. The late Zen master Thich Han stressed that when we sit, we bring joy and nourishment to ourselves and others around us. In his short book titled How to Sit, Han calls us to imagine a boat full of people crossing the ocean. The boat is caught in a storm. If anyone panics and acts rashly, they will endanger the boat. But if there's even one person who is calm, this person can inspire calm in others. Such a person can save the whole boat. That's the power of non-action. Our quality of being is the ground of all appropriate action. Many Saints and sages, burdened like the rest of us by deadlines and to-do lists, found it challenging to practice stillness, and so they fashioned their own interior castle. The wisdom of stillness presupposes a degree of inwardness, simply the capacity to be still despite the chaos. The great contemplatives have compared spiritual life to an ocean. On the surface, life may feel like a stormy sea, yet the water is always calm beneath the surface. The wisdom and practice of stillness are anchored in those depths. Stillness and contemplative practices, in general, include learning to be alone, a skill many of us are not too comfortable speaking about or excited to explore. It's counterintuitive that learning to be alone leads to a deeper connection and a sense of wholeness. However, as we all know, wisdom often works in paradoxical ways. As the psychologist and theologian Henry Nouwen explained, solitude is vastly different from a time out from our busy lives. Solitude is the very ground from which community grows. Do you ever feel this call to solitude? There seems to be a lingering desire and need to go inward through the practice of stillness. The 19th century writer C.S. Lewis observed that we live in a world starved for solitude, silence, and private, and therefore starved for meditation and true friendship. According to Nowen, the transition from loneliness to solitude is the beginning. To live a spiritual life, Nowen stressed, we must find the courage to enter the desert of our loneliness and change it through gentle and persistent efforts into a garden of solitude. However, the movement from loneliness to solitude is the beginning of any spiritual life because it is the movement from restless senses to the restful spirit, from the outward-reaching cravings to the inward reaching search learning to be alone is a sign of well-being and the practice of stillness is a sign of a life well-lived as Seneca pointed out in a letter to Lucilius the primary indication of a well-ordered mind is a person's ability to remain in one place and linger in their own company.